find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays Are for the Ghouls, a podcast on the Podmoth Network. We cover all things spooky, like horror movies, true crime, the supernatural, and spooky stories. In the most chaotic way possible. So join your favorite ghoul friends every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And become a spooky babe! <laughs> so spooky babes, we'll see you in your nightmares welcome to cruelty podcast this is lillian and with me as always is willow hello hi hi this is last case of celebrity month last case of celebrity month so that means i'm gonna announce next month's theme right now right the fuck right now because i'm excited about it yeah well i thought you were gonna do it at the end i'll explain in a second It's American Horror Story Month for October, and it's not about the show. It's about the cases that inspired the show, because almost all of the stories in American Horror Story are inspired by true crime or, like, actual hauntings and things like that. So you're going to get a a plethora here of, like, hauntings and perhaps special guests. I'm working on it and all kinds of cool stuff. Now, I will be the first to say, as a wet blanket through all space time not really a fan of the show um i feel they all start strong and then they go nuts and i can't follow it it's like watching an anime where you think it's about a cute fuzzy animal but at the end they're gonna kill god or something and you know me i just can't cope (laughs) okay but i do like hotel it's my favorite season i like the i like the idea of american horror story i like like the idea too i like that they use all the same actors over and over again that that makes my little heart happy it's neat dependable um (laughs) and then also um that they take characters from real life true crime events and flesh them out and make them real in a weird story together so you're like oh I know that case. I know that case. Oh, that character is inspired by that. Yes. I like their history, true crime, weird stuff. I knew all the cases before I saw it. I see it's the writing. It's not the actors who I think are wonderful, but the writing really loses me. Uh, It loses the plot. (laughs) And I'm like, this is dumb. But... It's a popular show, and I the cases they picked are always really interesting. Yeah, and I think it's important, especially because around, you know, um, Halloween time and fall season and all of that. It's scary season. It's scary season, and it's a time that a lot of people rewatch American Horror Story, and I know they're coming out with a new season soon, so, you know, just brush up on you. It felt appropriate. You. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do, because people have asked, will we do another Vampire Month? And the answer is, I don't want to. <laughs> I might talk you into it later, but it'll be weird too. <laughs> it's just like with Cannibal Month. Am I going to do it again? Oh yeah, 
not this year. Not this year. So if you were hoping for that for some fucking reason, (laughs) I need a break because it was literally like it's our second month of podcasting and we are covering some of the most heinous crimes in all space and time. Yeah. But today, (laughs) for our last celebrity case, I'm going to cover Tupac Shakur. That's right. That's right. (laughs) West side. I'll fight you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Tupac nicely finishes off Celebrity Month. He was an icon. Widely considered one of the most influential rappers of all time, he had his share of controversy, too, and some dark accusations. He was a complicated person. His death came early and violently and robbed us of a rising star who definitely had a much longer career inside of him. Tupac's lyrics continue to resonate with people long after his death though some of his controversies seem to have been forgotten. And I do mention that because I think we have to consider everything that makes a person. Right. Not just the cool stuff that they did. Right. And he did. He was an amazing poet. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk more about that in a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, he was well-educated. Yes. And I mean, he was a good-looking dude. He was. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Just going to say it. Yes. Come on. But I'm not going to fangirl over somebody who did some awful shit, and he did. Yeah. That's why I always have to really be careful if I think a celebrity is good looking, because I'm like, oh, they're really good looking. Oops. Uh-oh. Uh, and, you know, uh, there's been a lot in the news about Army Hammer, who was uh, an actor and part of, like, a, a big corporation heir to vast fortune. Mm-hmm. Good looking dude. Wretched, horrible person. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to have dialogues about separating the art from the artist. Right. This is one of those cases for it's me. It's really hard to do. It is hard to it's do. It's really hard to do. Because, you know, I tell people all the time when they talk about, like, boycotting things or people or right. whatever because of their views or criminal actions or whatever. Right. And, and J.K. Rowling's a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that was my first thought. I, well, yeah. I'll go ahead and say it because I'm a dick. I never liked Harry Potter. Hmm. Uh, Maris never liked Harry Potter. But would I buy any Harry Potter anything? No, I don't want to. I don't want my money to go to somebody who just hates trans people. Right. It's gross. Right. And she's racist. Right. Come on. Her books like that's what turned me off. I read a couple of the books. I was like, that was racist. You <sighs> and do I think you're a bad person? You anonymous out there who reads and enjoys Harry Potter? No, I don't separate the art from the artist. If that gave you joy and that got you through hard times in your life and that added beautiful things to your childhood, let it continue to do so. Despite the person y'all, we ain't going to make a dent by not buying stuff from JK Rowling. She's rich and has a castle. It's just like with the corporations. Like, if you boycott everything that does bad, shady stuff, you're going to starve to death and live in a hole because mm-hmm. it's just the way, in a capitalist society, there's just no way to consume anything without hurting someone or something somewhere. It's impossible. So that's my point. And so I like Tupac's music a lot, and I like his, his poetry. I liked the movies he was in. But do I like him as a person? No, not particularly. I don't. So... You know, he he was an important person for his time, Mm -hmm. whether he was a good person or not. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to say about that. I understand, though. Yeah. It's important to Mm -hmm. say. He was born Lazane Parrish Crooks on June 16th, 1971. Wait, what was his his name? Lazane Parrish 
Crooks. I never heard that before. Yeah, his mother changed his name pretty early on. Okay, that's a, that's a really interesting name. After like a an indigenous person who fought like colonizers and died because she thought names held power. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. I absolutely agree absolutely. with her. His mother's, I could do a whole episode on his mother. I know. Oh my God. I, I did. I was like really biting my tongue because his mother is like an, an amazing woman. She's an I amazing really, woman. really look up to her. She's really great. She, she'd been through down all the roads yes. and come out <laughs> the other side. And I really admire her. Yeah. So, he was born in East Harlem section in Upper Manhattan in New York City. He was born with activism in his blood. His mother and father were both in the Black Panthers. It's important to note that she married a man who was not his father, but his father was a member of the Black Panthers. Mm -hmm. His mother and her husband split up when his parentage came into question and he didn't really have much to do with his father at all until uh, like right before his death pretty much okay. so I'm not going to really mention him he was not in his life this did cause him problems however he had no male role model to look up to mm. and it's really important to kids to have a male role model to look mm. up to, to to model for them non-toxic masculinity right? and to be a source of strength mm -hmm. and support. And I especially think this is important in African-American communities. Mm -hmm. um, I just do. Right. And uh, I don't like arguing about it. So I'm not going to. <laughs> so his mother, Afini, spent part of her pregnancy with him in prison for several charges of conspiracy to bomb a police station. Hell yeah. <laughs> she was later acquitted because these were trumped up bullshit charges, mm -hmm. but only after serving a cumulative two years in prison, which is also bullshit. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I could do an entire episode on this amazing woman. Mm -hmm. She was one of the first female. She was the first female male, male carrier in New York City. Wow. Yeah. She what just, a dangerous fucking job, though. Can, I, can we, like, take a second <laughs> yeah, and just breathe that in? Like, the, the first woman was also a first black woman delivering mail. Like, you are so vulnerable. Yeah. You are literally going door to door to people. Yeah. Who like, could hurt you. Who could hurt sure. you. Yes, absolutely. There's some real rough parts of town. And aside from all of the things that she was doing at the time and the person that she was, she's already, like... And look, y'all, New York has had a makeover since the 70s, 80s, and 90s, yeah. but that place used to be scary oh, as fuck. Oh. And it's, I mean, it's still pretty scary today, but that, but that back, back then, then oh, y'all, mm -hmm. with all the violence, mm -hmm. it was in poverty, it was And very the police frightening. were only there to protect, you know, rich people, the, the white and the rich. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So, yeah. Again, I, I really just want to talk about her more, but this is about her son. I'm sorry. So. I was like, that's just really cool, though. After she had Tupac, she never returned to activism and instead, unfortunately, got involved with drugs. Not only selling drugs, but using drugs. And she became addicted to crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. And this is something she struggled with throughout his entire childhood. And Tupac's childhood was rough as fuck, y'all. Mm -hmm. She could not, you can't hold a job and be addicted to crack. I'm, I just don't know how you would do that. So right. they largely lived on welfare, but were frequently homeless. They were frequently living with people who were selling drugs and dealing drugs. They frequently lived around intense violence. Tupac saw people get shot and murdered all the time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it really became a part of who he was, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. 
it deeply affected him. Yeah. I mean, I think that's obvious. It becomes your lifestyle. I also think his fraught relationship with his mother shaped him in some very deeply troubling ways. He really resented her for most of his life. And... You know, you can see it in his lyrics. I think he felt conflicted because mm-hmm. in some, a lot of his lyrics, he uplifts women, all women, right. as like some holy, right. like Mary figure. Right. I mean, he even had the song Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the song Brenda about the teenage girl who had got pregnant. Those are all very sympathetic and very like social activism type songs mm-hmm. about respecting women. But then he would have songs that just did the polar opposite. And I think that was his way of working out his issues with his mother um i think her addiction hurt him i think not only because it took her away from him i think he just felt personally victimized by her addiction yeah like it was almost she did it to spite him type of thing and as a child of a parent with addiction that that killed my mother um i felt that way too because you think as a kid like hey i can love you enough to make you stop. And if you love me, you'll stop. Right. And if you are a kid, we have kids who listen. I know we do. Whether they should or shouldn't is none of my business. Uh, Don't necessarily approve, but... (laughs) I just got a potty mouth, but I think my message is good. Yeah. Um, And cuss words, who cares? Anyway... I really feel like if you're a kid listening and you have a parent that suffers from addiction and you are sitting there saying, if only they loved me more than they loved the addiction, I need you to take that whole rhetoric and throw it away. It doesn't have anything to do with you Mm -hmm. or their love for you. Mm -hmm. It is a sickness. So if your mom died of cancer, I don't think you'd be mad at her about that. I mean, there's mad in grief. It's part of the process, but you wouldn't blame her for it. And you wouldn't blame yourself. So don't blame yourself. And don't say your mom doesn't love you. Just understand that they're sick. And it's not your fault. And no amount of your begging, pleading, crying, interventioning will do anything. And that is a hard pill to swallow and very difficult to accept. But Tupac didn't have any kind of support in this way. He had his friends and he had the streets. And that's where he turned. And it's... I don't know. It's really sad to me. In 1984, Afeni moved her family to Baltimore, Maryland, and I think it was largely in part to get away from the scene in New York. I mean, it didn't really help, but whatever. But this changed Tupac's life because he went to the Baltimore School of the Arts in high school. And y'all, so many talented people and so many amazing actors and poets and songwriters came out of that school, including Jada Pinkett Smith, who was one of his close Aww. friends. And she ended up like being almost like a muse. He wrote lots of poems about her. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had a friend who could beatbox. And this is a shout out to producer Will. He's actually <laughs> quite great at beatboxing. <laughs> but y'all, if you've never heard anyone practice beatboxing, <laughs> You, you just think things in your house are breaking. I was like, what is that mechanical clicking in my fridge or my, you know, this or that? No, it was just Will making bug noises at all, at, like compulsively. I can't do it. 
But no, they are really good at no, it. No, so people can do it. It's it's like extreme talent to the umph degree. But like the process of learning is one of the oh, silliest processes. It's silly. So Tupac frequently won awards and contests at school for being the best rapper. In addition, he was well liked and known for his intelligence and sense of humor. Baltimore School of the Arts legit. Like this is a really good education that he got. And I love knowing how intelligent he was. And here's a little known part of Lillian lore. Young Lillian really loved 90s gangster rap. <laughs> was I like a white suburban goth chick? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Did I care? Nuh-uh. <laughs> I, I would just listen to it all the time. Um, because it was poetry. Right. I thought it was brilliant. Right. And it was activism. Mm-hmm. And I understood that. Even though people were telling me it was garbage made by unintelligent people, I just thought, well, you're just racist mm-hmm. and you're not actually listening to it right. or absorbing the words. Right. They're angry for a reason. Yeah. Of course, this music is angry. Yeah. And I was angry with them. Mm-hmm. I like getting fired up. Absolutely. And that shit never left my soul, I will tell you. <laughs> and I think that's what made Tupac so fucking successful right. is that he spoke to people regardless. He'd cross color lines with mm-hmm. this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, in a way that, like, Dre and Snoop and, like, N.W.A. didn't. Right. And I'm not saying I didn't like them either, obviously. But I feel like Tupac did it more successfully because his anger resonated with people. They're like, you know what? That is fucked up. And I'm angry, too. Right. Because where do you put this anger? Because you're just a little person in this big machine. And, you know, especially after the whole Rodney King stuff. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I saw all that unfold on TV. And I remember feeling so angry. I'm still angry. Oh, I know. Like you just say, you just say the the name Rodney King, and my blood starts and to. I boil. remember, like I'm okay. So my dad would take me to school in the mornings, and when I was about oh 13, 14, and he would listen to Rush Limbaugh on the way to school and I'm just sitting there just twitching because he's shitting on women he's shitting on black people he's shitting on the LGBT community but when all that was going on he was just calling them all sorts of terrible names I won't repeat Mm -hmm. saying they were rioting and burning down their own neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and it's all like demons and shit oh he didn't go to the religious part of it in fact he didn't bring Rush Limbaugh wasn't particularly religious demons are in everybody no that was like Pat something else who was like the 700 club motherfucking piece of shit worthless garbage bag like no this was just straight up political Mm -hmm. and it was right wing white supremacist bullshit yeah and if anybody wants to blame the state of the world right now on anyone let's blame it on Rush Limbaugh let him burn in hell for all eternity had a little party when he died <laughs> I do remember when he died I get them all mixed up I made a my cake I listened to all of them I made a fucking cake I was like who's eating cake not Rush Limbaugh who's in hell <laughs> yeah. fucking drug addled piece of shit I accept all addicts he had an addiction issue and an addiction to cigars which is what killed him by the way but he was racist so and misogynist yeah, and so I wish him. every bad thing on him. He doesn't get any good. He doesn't get any good out of me. <laughs> yeah, so you can't tell me fucking otherwise that rap music is an activism music just as much as Bob Dylan or any of the other people in the 60s who made activism music. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> He also joined the Young Communist Party while attending high school of the Baltimore School of the Arts. Really? And while I personally can't support communism, 
And before any tankies come for me, number one, lick my butthole. Number two, I love the idea of communism. I think yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's great, yeah. But until corrupt pieces of shit stop ruining it for mm-hmm. everybody, we can't have it. Yeah. We can't have it. Mm-hmm. There's no communist country that's worked out good. Mm-hmm. That hasn't resulted in just horrific abuses and humanitarian just... Borderline genocide, yeah. I can't yeah. support that. But I think at some point... Most people, when they're young, are like, I like this. I want everyone to have things. Right. I want everyone to live and right. be comfortable. Everybody deserves a house and food, blankets, and all that no stuff. No one needs to be hungry and dead because there of this so shit. There are so many empty houses. Everybody deserves a shower and a warm place to sleep. Yeah. We should divide it up until yeah. it's more fair. <laughs> it's so stupid that it's not that way. <laughs> it's just the dumbest No thing. one should be a billionaire. Sorry, I'm squishing my own face because yeah. I'm mad. I'm very mad. It's no, mad. if anything, this month has taught me that, like people with excess money don't need to have it off. <laughs> they just piss me off yeah. and they don't make good decisions yeah because there's this whole dichotomy in this country especially this individualism that it you if you have money you must be smart and you earned it no, no. to any of that yeah you just play poker well i guess not even that or no. No, your family has money look at trump like he inherited all this money and yeah. then he just fucked off with it he made look at all of his investments they all went bankrupt yeah. he's an idiot yeah he's, he's, he's a, an idiot sandwich he's an idiot sandwich <laughs> and he doesn't even have mayo no because he's orange yeah. i hate him so much y'all it just god it hurts me physically we need like a special type of therapy for those that have lived through the trump years <laughs> like i have new I, I feel like i've developed a new type of migraine that is just from from his tiny hands the doing the ridiculousness little, uh, that I had to live through. Well, it's like, I try, honestly, because I thought maybe I'm just being the way that I am, and so I will sit and listen to an entire speech. That nope. word salad doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just thought I'd include the communist bit, because it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Tupac yeah, it is. also studied ballet, poetry, jazz, and acting. God, that's so hot. <laughs> No. Isn't that, that's just, a, I love a well-educated person mm-hmm. and not all of us can afford an education or have no, access to it, not. but, um, but that, that's what he was interested in. But that's, that's what that's what's sexy yeah. is that he had these broad interests. Yes, he wanted ballet. to dance and act God, and yes. sing and yes. make poetry Yes, and just make beauty in the world. Yes. And I love that. Yes. I need more of it. I think he would have become a famous movie star had he yeah. lived. He was just a good-looking, charismatic dude. Beautiful. In 1988, his family moved again to Marin City, California. This is where his mother started trying to seek treatment for her drug addiction. Mm-hmm. But the damage had already been done, and by 1989, the relationship was so just in tatters, he moved out and dropped out of high school. Though he would later go on to get his GED. And I want to say, same yeah. <clears throat> That's yeah. exactly what happened to me. Honestly, most people should. <laughs> Fucking school in most this country is a I joke. Know did that. Um, I tried to stick it out. I even went to a super senior year and I still dropped out and got my GED because by then I was married and had a child. And you're and done. Had my own apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I, my relationship with my mother because of her addiction issues reached kind of like this falling apart place and she kicked me out because she had a form of dementia brought on by alcoholism. Right. Mm-hmm. So she imagined the things that I did. Yeah. Um, my dad had also allowed it because he had found some drug paraphernalia, some little brown bottles with white powder in them in the study in our house, and I got blamed for it. 
Um, y'all, I could not afford cocaine. I was 17 years old. <laughs> I didn't even know where to get coke. I smoked weed. Oh. I occasionally would do some Molly, but I couldn't afford fucking coke. Mm-hmm. I worked at a newspaper. I made five fifty an hour. But my dad was convinced it was my coke. And so he allowed my mom to throw me out of the house. I was homeless. And how can you be homeless and go to school? You can't. So I dropped out my senior year with a four-point grade average, all AP classes. Fun times. And I I think this is what went on with Tupac. He was like, well, I'm homeless. Yeah. And I'm going to have to work and hustle. Yeah. But it was kind of like, I just think there's no shame in it. Yeah, I also just, like, in society, I just don't think it's fair. It's just <laughs> it's not, not. It's just not fair. Everybody deserves an education. His music career really began in 1989. He went by the stage name of MC New York. He had started taking poetry classes taught by poet and activist Leela Steinberg, who was so impressed with him, she went on to become his manager. Hmm. She organized a concert for him and his band Strictly Dope, and then got him signed to Atron Gregory, a manager of the group called Digital Underground which is where Tupac would go on to be a backup dancer. I've never seen Tupac dance. I guess that's something I've never He was great. To. Yeah, he was great. Digital Underground was, is a really cool band, so they did a lot of really cool stuff. And he didn't want to be a backup dancer, let's be clear, but that's he was willing to eat the fucking shit sandwich yeah, to make absolutely. it. absolutely. Because he knew this would open doors, yeah. and he was right. Hell yeah. Because in 1991, he performed with Digital Underground for the movie soundtrack Nothing But Trouble. He even impe- appeared in the film in a small role. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the end of 1991, Tupac released his solo album, Tupacalypse Now, and to say he had a meteoric rise in his career after that is an understatement. It was also extremely controversial, largely due to no fault of Tupac's. The album was about teen pregnancy, racism, police brutality, poverty, and other such themes. America. It was about America. Yeah. It inspired a teenager in Texas to fatally shoot a cop. This caused Vice President Dan Quayle to call on Interscope Records and ask for it to be pulled. And y'all don't know, the if you weren't alive then, mm. and I don't think, I think you were just a baby. I was then. a baby, but that's baby. fine. I was alive. Yeah, you were alive. But that's if you weren't, like, alive and aware of the news back yeah. then, Dan Quayle and, like, Tipper Gore and all these fucking I idiot politicians. <clears throat> Dan Quayle was the vice president to George Bush. Tipper Gore was Al Gore's wife, who was the vice president to Clinton in the nineties. Oh. And they, she went, she was the one who got okay. the parental advisory put on things. Gotcha. And he called for that record to be pulled. It was inciting violence. It was violence in the it's streets. It's talking about violence because it's there. That's the truth. These people never make oh, sense. Oh, it just makes me mad. It is. It made everybody mad, and it made white people so fucking annoying. It just made white people annoying. <laughs> er. And I'll never forget it. Like my dad coming into my room and confiscating all oh, my girl, CDs. I had a CD burning party. My parents. Yeah, I my would copy them all. Burned all of my CDs. My mom and my dad confiscated um, my two live crew album. <laughs> thing was nasty to be fair and they got my nine inch nails album oh, i don't know if i've said this on air before but in the in the cd um magazines that you'd get where yeah. you'd like order cds yeah those, those big magazines. columbia yeah yeah um backstreet boys was like really big but also blackstreet boys was was big too oh, and, yeah. and you know they were before backstreet boys and i was like ooh. 
I want to listen to that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so I, I, they were, their numbers were like one number off. And so I acted like I was, I told my parents I was getting the Backstreet Boy album, but I got the Backstreet Boy album and I, I got in big trouble. They confiscated. Because it had the explicit lyrics. They confiscated Mm -hmm. my three, six mafia album. (gasps) I do love satanic gangster rap to this day. (laughs) I will chew my fucking arm off to make the escape. Thank you very much. Anyway. But yeah, so Tipper Gore was like the original Karen. Yeah, she's Karen. fuck a bitch. And she was such a Karen. <laughs> Shut up. Gee, Karen. You've never fucked to Nine Inch Nails and it shows, bitch. But it's a good time. It's a good time. Ooh. Ooh, I'm a little excited now. Um, anyway, but what really got me is my mom got drunk one night and started blasting like Nine Inch Nails from downstairs. I was like, you took it and you stole it. I was so mad. Now we can't have it. I still had it. I burned all my CDs. I made copies. You made copies. Not then because you couldn't do it. Yeah. But I made tapes. I made yeah. cassette tapes from the CDs. Yeah. Because back then, y'all, I, the computers didn't burn CDs. No. I couldn't even get on the internet with our like little computer we had in the house. Not until I was 17 years old did I ever get on the internet. Thank God, I would have really wrecked my shit had I had the internet as a teen. So, it's important to note, the same year he released this solo album, he had a $10 million lawsuit filed against the Oakland Police Department for beating him for jaywalking. He won that case, but was only awarded a mere $43,000, which barely covered his legal fees. Wait, police beat him for jaywalking? They sure did. Oh my God. Look, law enforcement, he had no respect for them, and he had no respect right back, and they were out to get him all the time. Yeah. So it makes a lot of the charges against him <laughs> suspicious, so you know what I mean? I would have I would have been <clears throat> the exact same way. I would have been very retaliated. He was. So that's, and he was only 20 years old, and that, y'all, that is so young to get rich and famous that quickly. Mm-hmm. His first album is so political. Mm-hmm. His later albums have are still political and have some real gems, but they get way more crass and way more inflammatory, which is great. Obviously, Dan Quayle failed to get the album pulled, and Tupac, Tupac went on to release his second album, which was even more popular than his first. And I'm not going to say the name because it has the N-word, and I'm not... I'm too white for that. So you, can <laughs> no, look, you don't have the black card, no. I do not have it. Mm-hmm. It, it featured Keep Your Head Up, which is one of his greatest songs. And things for Tupac are about to get a lot more complicated and dangerous. Mm-hmm. During the 90s surge in hip-hop and gangster rap, there was a rivalry between West Coast rappers and East Coast rappers. At the head of this feud was Tupac and the notorious B.I.G. <laughs> This rivalry would end with both Tupac and Biggie dead. At first, it was just diss tracks, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it soon escalated to actual violence on both sides. Two rival record companies were created out of this, and it was Death Row Records by Suge Knight, Mm -hmm. and the West Coast had Bad Boy Records Mm -hmm. by Sean Puff Daddy Combs. That's right. And both saw commercial success. I mean, excuse me. Suge Knight was on the West Coast. Puffy was on the East. So that's stupidly. I didn't. Oh, it's uh, my brain. Yeah, my brain's stupid on that. (laughs) Like this rivalry, I think was largely manufactured for the record. Um, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. 
literally (laughs) to sell records and it did yeah yeah and i think they all kind of got caught up in it Mm -hmm. they were like Mm role-playing that they hated each other and Mm -hmm. eventually they did just hate each other and i'll explain a little more about it which is just sad and stupid i feel like tupac and biggie were really manipulated by their managers and producers yeah i I was a biggie fan i'm sorry tupac i mean i love tupac but yeah i know more biggie music just when his popularity was peaking, Tupac started facing a lot of legal issues. His career was in jeopardy because he had no money. Mm-hmm. He was all the money he was getting, he was spending on his legal battles. And this is going to be a really unpopular take for me. Yeah. But he was charged with sexual assault, sodomy, and ooh, after reading the woman's account, her, his accuser, yeah. I believe her. Yeah. A lot of people say it was Suge Knight orchestrated this and or like, you know, Puff Daddy organized this to like the accuser paid him off. Right. Mm. Like they like they paid like a sex worker to do it. She was it, not a sex worker. Yeah. She was a 19 year old fan. Oh. And I just don't. She only came forward like a few years ago to oh. give her side of the story because of how like all these conspiracy theories. Yeah. And I don't want to get into the details of that case. It's because this episode's not about that. Right. And but I do want to add that I believe her, and I do think he was guilty of this crime. The jury agreed. Mm-hmm. He did not get the harsher sentence of sodomy, but we'll get into that in a minute. He also had a weapons charge. Mounting legal troubles dwindled his money to nearly nothing because he had to hire lawyers to defend him. He received a lesser charge on the assault and always maintained his innocence, saying it was set up and that the accuser was in league with bad boy records. And I, I don't think that. Mm-hmm. Also in 1993, Tupac was accused of shooting two off-duty police officers. The details are all over the place on this one. I would have to do a whole episode on it. Oh, wow. It's really confusing. Basically, some off-duty cops were harassing him and his friends, and they shot first. Oh, shit. Yeah. Tupac and his crew were defending themselves. And, uh, yeah. That's terrifying, honestly. He shot one of the cops twice, once in the, like, like in the liver and in the butt. And... They brought a judgment against Tupac's estate in 1998 for one of the officers and won a settlement for that. But all charges against Tupac were dropped. At an autograph signing, there was an altercation, and Tupac drew his gun, which he legally carried, but he dropped it, and somehow in the confusion when the gun was being picked up, it went off, and it shot a six-year-old child dead across the street. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. It's, it's really oh terrible. Oh, God. The point of me bringing that up isn't to say, oh, hey, Tupac. Oh, that's so fucking sad. It's, that was an accident. Yeah. However, gun violence, none of this would happen without any of these fucking yeah. guns everywhere, mm-hmm. like, just to point that out. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to, like, Second Amendment me, just fucking save it. I don't want it. Like, there's no reason to kill each other in the streets. There's really no reason. What reason is there? Mm-hmm. Zero reason. The only reason why somebody needs and a gun. And the, the estate settled mm-hmm. on that one for about 500000 But, I mean, there were no charges that could be brought against. They tried. But there was not enough evidence that he did had any wrongdoing. In fact, he wasn't even holding the gun when it went off. Oh, my God. <clears throat> it was one of his, like, handlers or whatever. 
No. Oh, I thought it meant like the gun was in midair and it went off. No. It was, it was somebody Somebody else. picked it up, and when they picked it up, it went off. Gotcha. In 1994, Tupac was in New York and received an offer he couldn't refuse due to his financial circumstances. He was offered $7,000 to record a just a verse on a new rapper's track. The rapper was Little Sean, and he had ties to Bad Boy Records. The offer was given to Tupac by an associate of James, Jimmy Hinchman Rosemond, who was heavily involved in the hip-hop industry, and heavily involved in Bad Boy Records, which is, of course, the rival record. Yeah, what are they doing? Setting the fuck up. And this later, y'all, this was considered a conspiracy for many years. Yeah. It has revealed recently to be true. I mean, it sounds... Oh, my God, this is... Tupac was skeptical as fuck of this deal and wondered if it was a setup. The verse was to be recorded at Quad Studios in Manhattan, but as Tupac arrived, and even before he set foot in the lobby, three men attacked him. They robbed him of $40,000 worth of jewelry. And when Tupac reached for his gun to defend himself, he was shot five times, twice in the head. Fuck. Yeah. And this this incident is so detrimental to him because it makes him think he's invincible. He doesn't die. I forgot about this. It was really... Yeah. This is the turning point. This is where the rivalry goes from diss tracks to actual violence. Because now they started it. <sighs> yeah. Well, Biggie had nothing to do with it. Right. But Tupac thinks he did. Yes. From this point it forward. It looks like it. It sure looks like it. Because Biggie's just the, you know, the face of it. Yeah. The East Coast. And he's the face of the West Coast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Though his injuries were serious, immediate medical care saved his life. He checked himself out of the fucking hospital the next day to go to a sexual assault trial of which he was found guilty of lesser charges and not sodomy due to lack of evidence on that charge. And the trial is complicated and long, and I'm not going to cover it here because I'm just not. You can look it up. I'll leave some links for you guys. He was sentenced to four and a half years in prison. He ended up only serving a year and a half. When Tupac got out of prison in 1995, he publicly accused henchmen, Combs, and Biggie of orchestrating the robbery and shooting. Tensions only increased when later that year, Biggie released a song called Who Shot Ya? While the song never mentions Tupac by name, and Biggie later claimed it was not about him at all, Tupac assumed it was. In retaliation, he releases a song called Hit Him Up which was a warning to all those he felt were involved in his shooting, and he did name names. In fact, he went on to keep doing that. This stoked the flames of the rivalry until it had nowhere to go except to burn all of those involved, and it did. What's really tragic about the rivalry to me is that Biggie and Tupac had been friends. I thought so. They were really good friends. Biggie wanted Tupac to manage him. He wanted to be on Death Row Records. But Tupac said, you know what? You need to have Sean Puff Daddy Combs. He's going to make you a star. Mm -hmm. He's going to lift you up. Mm -hmm. And Tupac wasn't wrong. I mean, he was right. Amazing. I know. Look at all the things that he did. I know. It's pretty it's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. However, after the shooting at Quad Studios, Tupac was convinced Biggie was involved and the two never spoke as friends again. I hate that. Yep. So while he was in prison, Tupac released his album, Me Against the World. And y'all, that was the shit. (laughs) It debuted number one on the Billboard 200 and is widely considered one of the most influential hip hop albums of all time. And it is Fight Me. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's just really good. Yeah. It's just a banger. Every track is just amazing. With his legal trouble, troubles largely behind him and the release of a hit album, Tupac was set on achieving great things. He starred in a film as the romantic lead opposite Janet Jackson called Poetic Justice. He was fired from the film Menace to Society when he assaulted the director. Tupac was in Above the Rim, Bullet, Gridlocked, and Gang Related. Those are the last three movies that were like he made and were released after his death. In 1996, Tupac is the most successful hip-hop artist in the world. People in the hood called him Black Jesus. No, they legit did. Like, I remember. <laughs> but outside, his fans, his rivals, and law enforcement did saw him as a menace and a threat. Law enforcement was always harassing mm -hmm. Tupac. And, well, I mean, he did talk a lot of shit. He and he did back of, it up. He had a lot of energy. He had yeah. a lot of energy. He sure did. And he was, was mad. Yeah. 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 And nobody yeah. liked it. Mm-hmm. So... I'm now going to present a timeline of events of the day that Tupac was murdered. Okay. Because some of it's really suspicious to me. Yeah. September 6, 1996, 11.30 p.m., Tupac left Lacey Studios in downtown Los Angeles after filming a music video. He goes to his home and has a nap for a few hours because he was exhausted after filming a video. That shit's exhausting. He was awakened early in the morning of the 7th by his cousin Kamala, who lived with him. She reminded him that they needed to get ready to leave for a planned trip to Las Vegas. And this was like a late, like celebration of Kamala and Tupac's birthday. They both had birthdays in June. And so they were using this as a celebration of their joint birthdays. Mm -hmm. They were going to go see a boxing match with Mike Tyson, who was Tupac's friend. And then afterwards, he's going to play at a club. It's going to be fun. A few hours later, they get on the road and he confides in everyone in the car. He didn't want to go on the trip. He had a bad feeling about it. Oh, I hate that so much. There's several things in here that are just... I think about that a little bit too much, I think, because I'm a true crime researcher, but I'm mm -hmm. like, do they know before they die? Sometimes. I think he yeah. did. I think he did. Yeah. I think he was ready, though. I think about my own mortality that way. Sorry. Go on. He had said he didn't want to go, but that his manager, Suge Knight, had really pressured and encouraged him to. Yeah. September 7th, 3 p.m., Tupac arrives in Las Vegas. He goes gambling at the casino tables and crap tables before the boxing match. He's accompanied by his bodyguard, Frank Alexander, and his backup group, the Outlaw Immortals. At 6.15, it was Suge Knight who convinced Tupac to go to the boxing match again. He doesn't want to go. Mike Tyson is fighting, and Tyson and Tupac are good friends. Tupac insists that his girlfriend and his cousin stay in the hotel room at the MGM. He hmm. begged them not to go out, not to even leave the room because hmm. he had a bad feeling. Now, they were pissed. Like his girlfriend and his cousin were pissed. They're like, why you drag us out here if we can't even go have fun? Yeah, because it was her it was her birthday. It stood out because of that. Yeah. 836, 8.35 p.m. Tupac finished watching the match. Tyson was the victor in literally under two minutes. He was a beast. Yeah. Like, man, he could fight. Yeah. But what a weird guy. <laughs> He's backstage with his manager and bodyguard. As they leave the venue, one of Suge Knight's associates passed Tupac a message. He whispers in his ear. The man's name is Trayvon. 
And he said he sees a man in the lobby who robbed him a few weeks earlier. And he says that the man is in a rival gang, the Southside Crips, because Suge Knights represents the Bloods. Mm -hmm. Tupac did not mess with that gang shit. He really didn't. He might have, like, played with it in imagery and, like, rap, but he wasn't personally involved. Suge Knight only ever, like, wore red. His whole mansion was, like, decked out in red. Mm -hmm. And so... Tupac is like, well, let's fuck this dude up. Because he's all pumped up from the fight. Yeah. He wants to punch someone. Tupac was a small dude. He had yes. some. Sh- he was a short king. Yes. And he felt... He a bouncy motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he, like, he would work out, but he could not bulk up. He was yeah. very thin. And I think this made him more aggressive sometimes. I think he felt, I don't know. Like he had to show. Yeah. Himself. He had to prove himself. himself. So him and his whole entourage just beat the living shit out of this dude. They beat him. Eventually, his bodyguard is like, okay, that's enough. So he pulls Tupac off, and he's like, let's go back to your room, man. You need to get changed. We need to go. 9 p.m., the fight is over, and Tupac goes to his room at the MGM Hotel. He has to change to go to the club, 662, where he is scheduled to play. He was in good spirits after the fight. He had gotten to try out his new ring on someone's face. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. I remember the interview with his cousin's name. Yeah. Yes. She was like, ooh. (laughs) Tupac decides not to wear his bulletproof vest that night. And this is something he usually never left his home without or hotel room without. Mm. But he's like, man, it's too hot. I don't want to wear it. He had just got done fighting, too. Yeah. He was all pumped up. He felt invincible. His His adrenaline was like on high. Oh, yeah. Right after this, they go to Suge Knight's mansion. Suge and Tupac have a private conversation, and no one knows what they talked about. Tupac makes an unusual request as they're leaving. He tells his bodyguard to take another car and follow them so that he can be the designated driver later when they go drinking. It's clear that Suge Knight has arranged this, though, because he's pushing. Under the claim that he wants to continue talking privately with Tupac in the car. So he gives two reasons. Right. And I just find this whole thing sus as fuck. Right. I just really do. Mm-hmm. So they head out to 662. At 11.17 p.m. at a stoplight, a white Cadillac pulls alongside Tupac's BMW and opens fire. Suge's night car is sprayed with bullets. Tupac is hit four times. Suge is grazed in the head. And instead of, like, stopping, Suge Knight, like, peels out and, like, takes off. Which I find weird, too. Yeah. But who knows, like, if I'd been shot... Yeah, honestly, I would have gotten the fuck out of there as fast as possible. I think that's what he was doing. A lot of people point this as suspicious. I don't know, he was just shot in the fucking head, y'all, so I don't know about that. I'd I'd peel out, honestly. But anyway, the car breaks down, and both tires are flat. Oh, shit. Because of the bullets? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tupac is rushed to the hospital where he's put in a medically induced coma. His right lung is removed to stop internal bleeding. Fuck. Tupac lingers in a coma for six days. On September 13th, Tupac passes away. And he was only 25 years old. It was right around his birthday. Well, he was born in June, and this was in September. Okay, but they were celebrating. They were celebrating his birthday. Okay, So who shot Tupac? There's lots of theories. The crime remains unsolved to this day. Investigations are initially stymied by witnesses who refuse to talk. Some say it's revenge for the beating of the man in the MGM. 
earlier. Mm. Some say it's rivals in league with Biggie Smalls. Mm. Some say it was orchestrated by Suge Knight because he knew Tupac had plans on leaving the, the label. Violence between gangs erupts in the streets because of this. Lots of people were actually hurt and killed. Right. Well, you got to think about like record deals and stuff like that. That's basically a will. You know what I mean? Yeah, like kind of. It's, it's, a, it's a contract involving money. Yep. And, you know, if somebody dies, they can't get out of that contract. Well, and if they die, especially the way Tupac did, who's going to make all the money? Suge Knight did. Exactly. He made a ton of money. Exactly. That's what I was... That's Tons. What I was, that's why I, I correlated it to a will. Because of his death, Tupac enters the Guinness Book of World Records as the best-selling rap artist of all time, and he's yet to be beat. It's that's, important that's to shook. note that Tupac was reluctant to join Death Row Records, but Suge Knight offered to pay his bail, which was over a million dollars, 1.4 million, if he promised to sign. He had little choice, and this enabled him to get out of jail after a year and a half. It was a power move to control Tupac, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Tupac confided in his mother and his close friends that he felt Death Row Records was cheating him out of money. He had plans. He had no plans to renew his contract once it was up. Tupac's murder remains, like I said, unsolved to this day. And the prime suspect has always been Orlando Anderson, member of the South Side Crips. Anderson was the man that was beaten in the MGM hotel earlier that night. And he was killed in a gang shooting shortly after. I think the whole thing is... I know, I was about to say, can I say my gut feeling about it or not? I will in a second. Okay. So Biggie denied having anything to do with Tupac's death, and I agree. I don't think he had anything mm-hmm. to do with it. Yeah. Biggie himself will be shot and killed in a similar attack seven months later. Yeah. So here's mm-hmm. the thing and what I think happened. I think it's kind of a combo meal on this one. Mm-hmm. I think Suge Knight put that motherfucker up to it. Yeah, absolutely. And he was there in the hotel to shoot Tupac. He was there in the MGM to shoot Tupac right there. But they all jumped him and beat the snot out of him. And so he comes by later in the drive-by. Oh. That's what I think. See, I thought he was just there and it was some. It was somebody else that actually... Too big of a fucking coincidence for me. Yeah? Yeah. Because I just think that there's... Because there was already people stealing from him and stuff like that. He was either there to rob him or kill him. And then they got the jump on him because that guy Trayvon saw him and recognized him. Right. Because I think he was following him outside and he was going to shoot him in the street. Oh, so he just went and got his boys and got in the car. Yeah. Either. Because Suge Knight Knight arranged the fight Mm -hmm. to to go to the fight. Yeah. He was so pushy. Okay. Okay. Uh And that's why he didn't want the sisters or the. The The women to be there. The women to go. Because hmm. I think it was Suge Knight who told him not to bring the girls. Yeah. He's like, man, we're going to have a boys night. Don't well, bring and the then girls. he was killed right after that incident anyway. So he was just used as like a pawn. Like he was just used. I don't, was Suge Knight killed? No, not Suge. I'm saying the guy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think yeah. he was assassinated after that. Yeah, but he was just used to do it. And then he was taken out. Yeah. But I want to know what y'all think. Um, I'm not going to do. And that's the T on this one because right. I we just did one. Yeah. But I would love to have some discussion in discord on who you think killed Tupac and Biggie. Yeah. And if they had if, if you think that like they were actually in cahoots with each other or like against each other, Tupac and Biggie, or if you think that this was really like I think it was some, all some puppets and strings happening. I think it's a little bit of both. I think Tupac definitely felt that Biggie had helped orchestrate his shooting in New York mm-hmm. at the uh, studio at Quad City. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think 
that for sure. But yeah. I don't think Biggie had anything to do with it. And he just let it go because it was building his fucking career. Right. Right. Uh, but I don't think he felt it. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. he just knew it was kind of a facade. But I think Tupac believed it. Mm-hmm. Given every they had like such similar lives, they really did. Their, they really their, did relationships with their mother and mm-hmm. everything like that. Like, um, it's really very, sad. Yeah, very similar and very very tragic. Yeah. So this closes out Celebrity Month. Um, I'm sure we'll do another Celebrity Month. We've got so much. So Y'all, much I had to exclude material. so many cool cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted mm-hmm. to cover Same. so many, but Same. there's man, not enough days in the month. There isn't, and I can't do any more episodes. I'll die. Yeah. So yeah. brief. Brief, brief business time because mm-hmm. this episode's running long for me. Uh, we have a Patreon, and thanks to our patrons, we're able to do this podcast, improve our audio quality, bring you more episodes. So the more patrons we have, the more stuff y'all get. Mm-hmm. If you want to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash cruelty. We have two tiers. We have the cruelty party, which is our most popular tier. It's the $5 tier. You get an extra episode every month. You get every all week. of every week. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why okay. I do that. That's okay. It's normal. Most podcasters, I know. Most podcasters only do one extra episode. But we generous. Yeah, and I feel like I owe it. You well, know? also, I'm fucking obsessed with this podcast. That I love too. this thing. <laughs> I love what I do. And there, you'll also get access to autopsy reports, yes. case photos, mm-hmm. the stuff that we can't show online, Facebook, because uh, yeah. they'll ban me forever. Mm-hmm. And so there, you can find it. And in addition, we have another tier called, and that's the T, where we do little mini episodes. They're like case discussions. If we're not quite mm-hmm. done talking, because mm-hmm. sometimes it's, we're not. It's essentially our um, ad-free listening for all of the regular episodes. Yes. And then you get, you know, an additional commentary episode every now and then. Yeah, we do anywhere from two to four a month. Yeah. Just whatever we can fit in. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're a member of the Cruel Tea Party, the $5 tier, you get everything. Yeah. So I think that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, also, me and Maris are writing some spicy serialized fiction. It has nothing to do with true crime and everything to do with boning. So you should go check it out. There's a link in the description. But other than that, we're going to say goodbye. Yeah. And see you next month, which I'm very excited. I don't know. I just like the cases. I'm really excited about it because we get to talk about the famous cases that everybody knows and like how they were intertwined into the, the series and stuff. I think that's cool. It's really fun. And also some really good history and folklore stuff. Yes. And that's my fave. Yes. And so. I love like um, the old... Uh, like freak shows and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, we get to talk about the history of that. They and are fucked up, man. I can't say I love them, but you know what I mean? I, I like learning about mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. um, they were very exploitative. Uh, yeah. But now, like, the tables have turned and the freaks have taken over the freak shows. And I love that. That's and my favorite And that's part. what they choose to be called, so I don't want anyone getting on that. I was kind of apprehensive. I didn't know if that was an appropriate word It is, yeah. Um, I, I'm friends with a lot of people who've been on A&E's freak show, um, which was of course the real deal um about like uh it was a reality show i love like human oddities and Mm -hmm. like the 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 things that make us different are yeah. always fascinating. I'm friend with several bearded ladies mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. drag performers yeah. and sword swallowers and I like circus I, people y'all. I have a lot of circus bendy friends and circus and, bendy friends and yes. fire eaters and all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. I have uh, artists. Yeah I have a lobster boy on my friends list. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That's a very interesting condition. We'll have to talk about it next time. Um, I wrote a whole like 
in the series that me and Maris write, the dark fantasy series, there's a whole part where there's this a circus, a sideshow. And uh, so I just befriended all these people because I like to write what you know. Right. And I wanted right. to learn Absolutely. more about them. And it, Absolutely. it was really cool. I'm also friends with a couple of the uh, American Horror Story actors. Mm. And so it's just really neat. It's yes. fun. Yes. Yeah. So I'm excited, you guys. I'm and uh, we'll see you next month. It's Halloween month. A scary like season. in a couple days, it'll be here, and it'll be there, and I'm it's pumped. fall time. Finally. Yes. And the temperatures are actually reflecting the it's season. It's legit, like, tea time. Huh? <laughs> All right, well, love y'all. Bye. Find us on your social media platform of choice. Linktree slash cruelty has all of the links. Check out our Patreon for exclusive episodes, merch, ad-free episodes, live ghost hunts, and much more. Please be sure to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded weekly. Thank you so much. See you next time. Music and production by Willie B.